You're listening to the Teen Wolf Rewolf. Every day when I turn on the mics, I crack my knuckles directly <laughs> into them. And every time that happens, Julia considers moving out. It's, you know, and she does it all the time, though. Like, all the time in the apartment. And so when you do it, like, directly into the mic, it's just... I feel like you should be used to it by now. It's who I am as a person. Maybe one day I will wait until I've hit record to let everybody experience, like, how rickety I am. It is fascinating just how like every joint is just like yeah what's wrong with me should I talk to a doctor I have no idea although honestly what's worse is that occasionally my stepdad will crack his neck at the table or just like in front of me yeah um because he knows I hate it so I had one professor in college who would like when we do our stretches or warmups in class, he would like get so excited when he's a big some of those people who like gets the asthma effect of the cracking knuckles, and he'd be like, "Yeah, yeah, let it ring." But then I had a different professor where if you cracked your knuckles in his class, he'd look at you like dead in the eye and be like, "Don't you ever do that in front of me." And you'd be like, "Yes, Malcolm, sorry." <laughs> <laughs> I did not. I could not have possibly known who you were talking about, but when you said it, I just. I could hear him in my mind. Yeah, I should have done yeah. the British accent. Um, well, yeah. if, you, if you didn't go to theater school, one thing you need to know is uh, that there's a lot of scary British people. <laughs> That's true. It, it really is. And they will not clue you into how scary they are the first time you No, meet you them. have to find out organically. <laughs> <laughs> Terrifying. Yeah. I feel like Americans are open about how scary they are or aren't. Yeah. Yeah. British people are like, it's a surprise. <laughs> Sorry. Yes. It's a surprise, love. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> are you excited to talk about 3B and not um, whatever we were just <laughs> talking about? I Yes, I am, because 3B is so good. And uh, I was so pumped when we sat down in the cold open. The best cold open in all of Teen Wolf is this cold open. We will discuss it, Yeah, ooh, baby. I'm really pumped. Um, And I think we can credit the goodness of this episode and of this season in particular to the fact that this episode was directed by Russell Mulcahy. It was written by Jeff Davis and Angela Harvey, and it is called Anchors. And it primarily starred Dylan O'Brien. Yes, it did. We're going to start tagging him in the tweets because it's just going to be so much love for him. Um... Yeah, this is just I am I am not shy about this being my favorite season. Um, I do feel like I'm so pumped to talk about this season, and then I'm looking at the seasons that we'll discuss later, and I'm like, and then I'll just hunker down <laughs> until season six, I guess. <laughs> I gotta get through it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Meanwhile, the season five stands are like, I'm gonna stop listening. <laughs> okay, here's the thing though. Like, season four is okay, but it's also 12 episodes yeah if season five were as bad as it is and only 12 episodes i'd hate it way less oh yeah well i probably just can, can be like oh it was like season four yeah yeah i mean Why did it do is, that? i also have mentioned this before i never got through teen wolf the first time because of season five interesting yeah i stopped i mean i was also like in college like i wasn't <laughs> trying very hard yeah um and yeah, well, at season five, I was like, I can't keep paying attention to this. And then after I graduated from school, I went back and like watched season five and six. And I was like, oh, oh okay, six was good. Cool. Good to know. 
I have regularly dropped shows because they have gotten like super, super bad. <laughs> the hundred. Uh, <laughs> yeah, let's just drag all the worst <laughs> shows that we quit. Um, no, I had to, I had to quit. I it, it was just so bad. But like Teen Wolf, I sat through the whole thing, which I was like, you know, I love it. Mostly because I, but I also was like. You, you have to through. get through season five. Yeah. 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 It's funny. Somebody on TikTok the other day was like, are you a person who overcommits to shows and just watches through the garbage? Or are you somebody who taps out? I'm never afraid to tap out of something bad. No. Um, I'll sometimes go back. Like I watched the entire final season of Game of Thrones, even though it was Do bad. Do we consider that a siren? <laughs> no. Guys, the... Be prepared because the siren activity last night was insane and I could not figure out what it was about. I was walking right past the fire station when like three trucks pulled out and just started blasting by me. And I was like, an emergency. It was like a full hour of like, there'd be five minutes of silence. And then all of a sudden, when was this? I did. I was not aware. You were watching Smallville. Oh yeah. (laughs) So it was loud. Uh, Everyone is like, wow, Christian really does love garbage. (laughs) Actually, Smallville's great. Oh, no, I love garbage, but there's just, like, a certain amount of shenaniganery that I will not Yeah, like tolerate. season five. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, I had, to qu- I had to quit Sabrina. That one I just wasn't going to hold on to. Uh, the trash that I will not let go of is Riverdale. Yeah, what is wrong with you? I could like, not possibly <laughs> say. I think I've just, like, invested too much of my time in it now, and I, like, want it to succeed. I'm actually trying to think of the last thing that I just made it through just to get through that was like bad but I think that I think I really do I'm a quitter (laughs) I'm a quitter and that's fine it's who I am as a person the last series I feel like I finished was I watch a lot of miniseries so it actually doesn't matter that's the future that's why television is so good now is because uh the seasons are truncated and there are fewer of them like the fact that the good place is only four seasons incredible dude i just watched unorthodox which is only four episodes and i was like this is magnificent why isn't everything only four episodes it's like a tiny little bite well it's like when they rebooted new girl which i'm pretty sure the final season is only like six episodes Mm -hmm. and everybody was really nervous about it but it was like this perfect little like bite-sized version of what the ending of new girl should be and it was perfect good so yeah that's that's what that's the way to be yeah we don't need friends anymore No. Society has progressed (laughs) past the need for friends. Yeah, sorry. I know some of you listening are probably like they don't like big fans, but I don't. Um anyway, should we get into our recap so we can start talking about the episode? Let's do it. Okay, you have to go first. Um, a little daunting because this episode is wild. Um, it is jam-packed. It's funny because I feel like every I kept on thinking the episode was ending and then Me it too. wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, not that, not that I didn't like it. Like it wasn't one of those ones where we're just sitting here being like, Oh my God, could this just get itself over with? No, but, but no. like you paused at a certain point and we were like only halfway through and I was like, wow, I feel like so much has happened for this to only be the halfway mark. Yeah. 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 My notes are not going to help with this one. They're incoherent. Jesus, take the wheel. <laughs> are you ready? Yeah. One, two, <clears throat> three. Okay, so the cold open is just a series of um, nightmares with Styles. He keeps waking up and then realizing that he woke up into a dream. Um, and this is all because of them dying. Um, Scott is hallucinating, and so is Allison. Um, just kind of like their worst fears. It's Scott being unable to control the werewolfness. Allison's hallucinating Kate. Um, they all go to school, and they're trying to figure out what's wrong with them. We meet Kira in history class. Um, Allison and Lydia go to target practice because Allison's hand keeps shaking, and she almost shoots Lydia. Um, things just get kind of weird. The 
sheriff is trying to figure out um, to how to solve cases now that he knows things. Um, they're trying to find Malia very specifically. Um, Scott's dad is there, and he's trying to impeach the sheriff. Um, and then Scott wants to help Styles, so they go searching for Malia. Allison has some more hallucinations about um, like stabbing Isaac. Oh, that's another thing. Isaac and Scott get into kind of a tiff. Um, and then at the end of the episode, we find out that Derek and Peter are being held somewhere and tortured. Exactly a minute. Very exciting. I missed so much. I I wasn't listening. I have no idea what you missed. And also, I missed the opportunity to use what you said to help me. So that was a job. So good luck to you. Oh, I'm going to need it. I'm going to need it. Are you ready? Mm, sure. Okay. Three two, one, go. So Styles is stuck in like a looped nightmare feet, the Nemeton and Sidia. And then Scott gets spooked because his claws are coming out and he like can't control the shifting. And then him and Isaac have a tussle because Isaac like is getting with Allison. And then, uh, Styles like finally wakes up and it's really crazy and he's having trouble reading. And Allison is like being haunted about Kate. And then Scott really can't control his shifting. And then they all together get together and discuss hallucinations. And Lydia's like, haha, now it's you guys who are crazy. And the sheriff starts unpacking all these old cases because he's like, what have I missed? And then Mr. Yukamira is introduces himself and Kira and Scott's like, Ooh, she's cute. And then Allison like can't steady her hands. So Lydia takes her to target practice. Um, Styles can't read anything. And he like finally tells Scott that he can't read and is having all these crazy nightmares. Uh, Lydia and Allison are target practice. She almost kills her. Isaac wasn't there. Um, she keeps listening. Kate, it's really scary. Um, uh, Styles realizes like why the sh- what the sheriff is like actually doing with all these unpacked cases, and is like you can't control this. And then the sheriff tells him about the Malia car crash. Oh my god, I got halfway through the episode. I thought yeah. I was doing well. No, you, well. you were doing well in the sense that you were like covering it all. Oh, okay. Well, what did um, I? What did we both miss? We missed that the sheriff went to Malia's dad's house. Oh, that was really sad. <laughs> really sad. Also, why would he do that? <laughs> Because he is trying to make amends. Yeah, which is very sweet. It just... It's really misguided. Yeah, I and I appreciate that they acknowledged that. And I think it's <laughs> a, a part and parcel to our theme this episode, which is uncertainty. Everybody's losing it. Yeah. They so kind of, this, this episode of everyone's like, what's happening to me? It's kind of just like the summation of 2020. <laughs> Yeah, I wake up every day and I'm like, is this real? I don't know. I don't know. Well, we were all having those crazy nightmares in like March and April when we were like really in lockdown, oh. which we still should be. I, um, I'm i no longer having nightmares, but I am having like incredibly vivid dreams all the time. It's so frustrating. Yeah, it's really weird. Uh, Yeah, so. <laughs> Everybody tell us the weirdest dreams you've had because of Corona and uh, we'll share them on the pod. Yeah. Uh, no, no. Well, that's so invasive <laughs> and weird. Um, um, yeah, I just, the, this episode is the perfect beginning to this season. Uh, it is very jam packed, but I think that that actually suits its purpose for just how much, how all over the place we're going to end up having to be. It yeah. gears us up. Like it lets it, it's a warning. Well, and because the characters are especially overwhelmed, it feels appropriate that the audience is a little overwhelmed too. Mm hmm. So on the topic of characters, where do we want to start? Who, who's feeling uncertain? Who's feeling iffy? I mean, I want to talk about styles. I don't know if we should get there first or if we should cover. Let's, let, let's, let's, let's cover some of the, you know, side characters. Smaller, 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 smaller characters. Um, the lesser uncertainties. Uh, let's do Isaac first. Isaac is coming at this at a really interesting place because Isaac has now found himself 
solo in what was an established friend group and is creating very like delicate relationships with Scott and Allison because he's kind of getting with her Mm -hmm. and that's obviously Scott's ex-girlfriend which like in adult world yeah sometimes that pisses people off it can especially if like the relationship ended really badly um but a lot of times like sometimes your friends are just dating different friends as exes and you just kind of move on with it but like in this particular case where Isaac is very new to this friend group and like so much everybody else is so overwhelmed at all of these things he is really having a hard time navigating what he's supposed to do next yeah he's very much like tiptoeing around the edges like coyotes they tiptoe they tiptoe on their tiptoes um yeah i i really liked the opening of this episode because isaac is talking to scott and being like are you mad which is a callback to when they go underwater and Isaac is the one who's there to bring Allison back, which is a moment that they obviously can't acknowledge because people are dying. The world is going to end. Yeah. But I appreciate the continuity and the fact that they actually have to like talk about it sort of. You know what's so good about 3B is hmm. that we kept talking about how like Teen Wolf doesn't bury their dead. People aren't dealing with their consequences. This is like the one season where we have to deal with the consequences of the season pre- previous. Yeah, because everything they have repressed is coming to the surface. And that both means like in the magical sense, but also the interpersonal sense, which is what we're seeing with Isaac. Yeah. Um, he just isn't on eggshells constantly. And that's a really scary place to be for somebody who is only just now finding like small pieces of stability. Yeah. He's gaining real friendships as opposed to like the incredibly toxic situation he was in before with Derek's pack. Yeah. And, uh, I think for the first time he's really pursuing something that he wants, like from kind of a more pure perspective, um, with Allison. Yeah. But he also so badly wants to like preserve his relationship with Scott and their exchange when Isaac's like asking Scott if he's mad at him. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, you can hit me. I feel like you should hit me to like solve this problem. That is like an interesting commentary on Isaac's relationship to abuse, where he thinks that if somebody is disappointed in him, that's how he like thinks that it gets fixed. Yeah. Only to have the worst Isaac moment in the series happen like a couple minutes later where he makes like a flippant remark about being locked in a fridge. And I'm like, who wrote this? Jeff Davis. Um, yeah, Jeff Davis. <laughs> Jeff Davis, that was bad. Um, <laughs> I'd at you on Twitter. You don't have Twitter. What I think is really interesting about that is I think it's a very common like teen boy trope where it's like teen boys and men in general, like solve their problems by hitting each other. The intricate rituals. Yes. Um, through what that men will go through to touch other men. Um, yeah. But in this sense, it like has the added layer of Isaac having previously been abused. So it's not just like that trope. It's, it's not just a situation where he, where like he doesn't actually have the words to go through this, which is normally what the fighting is about where Mm -hmm. it's like, I, that's emotions I cannot verbalize. Uh, no, it's actually, it's, it's actually sort of um, an understanding of what he's feeling and then feeling that that's the only way it can be de- dealt with. Yeah. Sad. And, I mean, Scott, to his credit, 
is like, well, I'm not going to hit you. That's ridiculous. But he does throw him against a wall, which I don't know if that's better or worse. No, I think that that was just sort of the gag at the end of that scene. I don't Mm -hmm. necessarily think it was... I almost even wonder if it was just a thing or if he, like... It would be so much more interesting from Scott if Scott just, like, put his hand on his shoulder and, like, looked him in the eye and was like, don't fucking do that. You know, like, that is way more interesting to me. Yeah. Whereas, again, it was a little bit of a joke. Yeah. Well, Teen Wolf has to get the funnies in there somewhere. Sometimes they don't land. Because otherwise this episode would be unbelievably dark. Yeah, and Uh, even the sort of funny moments, like when the baby doll makes the noise and Styles flips out. Yeah. Like, that wasn't... I don't even know if that would be funny if it weren't Dylan O'Brien. Cause yeah. And also I think we had a couple moments in this, in the season previous where like Isaac had to jump in and kind of weirdly be the, the comedic relief because styles wasn't available to be that in that particular episode. Mm-hmm. I think that was a little bit of this episode too, which is like Daniel Sherman's not, not funny, but he's also not funny. <laughs> <laughs> he's just like a little, like he's a little too British. So sometimes the jokes don't land cause they're in the wrong accent. <laughs> He's trying so hard. He really is. Yeah. Um, well, I also think it's kind of an interesting parallel uh, with... So when Isaac has his little flippant moment about, like, well, I was locked in a freezer, it's in response to Styles being like, can you please be helpful? Uh-huh. Instead of just being, like, flippant and weird. Um, there's, like, that weird tension between the two of them because... Um, like Styles is clearly Scott's best friend and perhaps he feels a little bit threatened by the fact that Isaac is now like a permanent part of the friend group. And then you have Kira coming in, in that same scene, offering up this knowledge that would typically be something that Lydia Mm -hmm. would bring up. And Lydia is clearly very affronted by that. So it's an interesting little parallel between like the two interlopers to the friend group. That's true. Yeah. 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 Um, And I think that like, it's funny because they're both sort of approaching this in a similar way where they like see the friend group that they like want to be a part of mm-hmm. Scott being the driving force for both of them, Allison also for Isaac um, and navigating your way into any new friend group friend group is so scary and hard and weird. And you never know where you stand with people at this the is, beginning. This is why adults only have three friends. I don't need more friends. I already have two. <laughs> yeah. No, I want more. I could use more. I just can't make them. Yeah. Um, like, it, it, it is really interesting to me how delicate Isaac's footing has to be on the social level. Because right now, he isn't so much um, facing the sort of, like, paranormal uncertainty that everybody else is. His was very grounded. Yeah. He's also part of the the group um, because Scott and Styles and Allison all died and then came back to life. And like he and Lydia were the people who bore witness to that and were the people who brought them back. And Deaton too, but he's not at high school, so he doesn't get to participate in that. Mm-hmm. So like Isaac is also having to keep an eye on what's happening to his friends who died and then came back to life. Yeah. And insert himself into their friend group and um, be a good guy and a, and a quote unquote normal person. Yeah. It's very hard. It's very hard. I wouldn't know what to do either. Um, let's talk a little bit about Lydia. Hmm. Lydia is a little bit sort of high on her horse about being like, well, how does it feel to walk around not knowing what's happening to you? But she is also now realizing that if these people... Like, if the people who are are kind of going nuts in this episode, if it's 
Styles and Scott and Allison no longer are in touch with reality. There's nothing keeping her in touch with reality because they have always been the thing, like especially Styles and Allison have always been the people who have been able to sort of pull her back from the edge in like all of the things that Lydia has gone through. Mm-hmm. And you can really see that, especially in the uh, scene where they're in art class and Allison can't hold the paintbrush and Lydia like kind of scolds her and it's like, you need to start over. Yeah. It's so interesting because everything really fell apart at the end of the last season. And Lydia, I think is kind of taking it upon herself to try and put it all back together. Um, and she needs everyone else to participate like you were saying. Um, and they're not, Mm -hmm. uh, so it's kind of interesting to think of like when she takes Allison to the forest to do target practice, is she doing that to help Allison? Yes. Is she doing that to help herself? Yes. Yeah. Which, and, and, and that, that's not selfish in any way. No. No, it's, I mean, you need your friends and, and Lydia has needed them more than, more than they've needed her up until now. And now it's kind of her time to, to be the anchor, I guess. And throughout the seasons, like the sense of the pack has only grown stronger and everybody's feelings of responsibility towards one another have only grown stronger. And then there's the sense of like when one person can't pick up the slack, the other one has to help. Yeah. Um, which is great to see in a friend group. It is. But it's also just so sad. It is. Yeah. Um, and, and like Lydia is uh, Lydia. It's this is like the, this is like the season where she gets to be the person with some stability. And then like come the next couple, she's kind of the damsel in distress again, which is kind of frustrating because we kind of see a little bit more of her power in this season. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited to sort of see how she moves forward, especially dealing with this level of uncertainty because like we have been talking about, like this is going to be the season that blows open uh, Beacon Hills where we are all of a sudden dealing with new creatures and new mythology and it like really expand this expands this universe. Um, and much like in the last season where Styles felt like he couldn't have a plan because he just didn't know enough about what was happening, that's going to be a little bit Lydia in this season. Yeah, which I think is foreshadowed really well by her interaction with Kira Yeah, uh, at the lunch table. Who we should talk about. Yes, new character. I love Kira. So much. And I love her parents also. They are like, uh, Tina Wolf does such a good job with the parents. I love her parents. Yeah. If you, like, they're very judicious about what parent you hate. Um, and I love that Kira gets two parents who are good. Yeah. So Her nice. mom is, like, kind of tricky. But ultimately looking out for her daughter's best interests, which we can't say of Except when she sends her with the skinwalkers, which like, that's probably, we'll get there when we get there. Um, yeah, her, (laughs) it's so funny. Like in TV shows, there's always like, uh, a a kid at the school whose parent is a teacher and it's like weird for some reason, but like there were always kids in my school whose parents were uh, one of the teachers and like, honestly most of their only interactions was being like mom can I have $20 yeah I was watching that my mom used to be a history teacher and I was just thinking to myself my mother would never call me out like that in class I'm like the first or second day of the semester being like that's my daughter well I'm also remembering if I remember this correctly at my school if your parent was a teacher you could not be in their class that would make sense yeah just like logically yeah, like, you'd have to, if, if, like, let's say there was two teachers teaching whatever 
honors bio, that semester, like you'd have to have the other teacher. Yeah. Um, you imagine if your dad gave you a D in history class. <laughs> He'd be like, you failed, which is crazy because I live in your house and could have helped you study. Um, yeah, all weird. But Kira is a, like, it's funny because we kind of compared her to Isaac sort of navigating her way into this friend group. It is in part her attraction to Scott, but it's also in like genuine interest. Like she ends up doing all that research for them mm-hmm. just because she's sort of, really um like earnestly concerned and interested in what they're interested in and like wants to be their friend because i think she sees them not just because she thinks scott's cute but is like they're talking about like deep and interesting subjects that i'm interested in and like i want to participate in the friend group that does that you know yeah i think it can be so hard to find like a friend group that you genuinely are interested in based on mutual especially when you don't grow up with those people yeah when like most of your high school middle school whatever friend groups just happen you you make those friends because you are in the same class and you live in the same neighborhood and you've been together since elementary school yeah where she's like so new i think the idea is that they're from southern california which beacon hills is now fully in southern Southern california California. they're like it's northern california no it isn't it sure isn't the hollywood hills are right behind them yeah (laughs) like come on the the palm tree in front of beacon hills which is now a completely different high school like i'm happy that they they got a bigger budget i am but like try they just did not even try no um and uh i think the idea is that they're from la did i make that up um, I, I legitimately cannot remember. I might be making that up. Uh, but they're we'll from, find a, out. Well, they're from a different part of California. Yeah. So like, even like culturally her upbringing is different because California is definitely two different States. <laughs> it, oh yeah. Um, but I also, uh, one of the content, I know we shit on team with all the time for continuity issues, but, um, when they like, win, they win. When they win, they win. Kira's dad is there because a bunch of teachers were murdered. murdered. Yeah. <laughs> so that's great. Yeah. I love that. Uh-huh. And it brings in just like a perfect opportunity to have all of this new mythology. It is. It is good. Um, yeah, but Kira is, is, is so sweet. Everything about Kira, I just like, you know, even <sighs> Teen Wolf a little bit suffers from Cool Girl. Um, and this season is the season that sort of breaks that where like Allison is like cool. She like does a cool sport. She does archery and like Lydia is sassy and she's crazy smart. She's so much fun. You have to be so exceptional to be a woman in Teen Wolf for the first couple of seasons. Yeah. And now we just have, um, Kira who is, whose primary ability is being compassionate and like nice. She's just like nice and like sort of silly. And then like Malia, the best part about Malia is that she's the dumbest bitch I've ever seen in my entire life. I love her so much. Uh, yeah, it could have something to do with her third grade education. But yeah, yeah. Um, no, Kira is so personable, and you care about her immediately, and not just because like the show is telling you to. Because when you're watching she this first just, like episode. Like you don't really know charm. She exudes charm. You don't really know what her role is going to be. And then in the upcoming season, I mean, we do because we've seen it, but like you have no idea what role she's going to play, how long she's going to stick around. But like Arden Cho's performance is such that you immediately are like, Oh, I like Kira and I want to know more about her. And she like Isaac is proceeding into this new world with great caution. You know, she's also just sort of 
kind of just sidling in slightly, slightly just because she's interested in them. And that is a very, it's the mortifying ordeal of being known. Yeah. That's so scary. And she's putting herself out there. P-O-T, put yourself out there. Um, And that's impressive. And I'm excited to keep talking about her. I think we do need to break into sort of the main three people facing uncertainty in this episode. Should we start with Allison? Oh yeah. Everybody's just having a real bad, terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. Well, what I think is so interesting about Allison is that it's all of a sudden evoking trauma from two seasons previous, three seasons previous. Um, which is interesting to me because it's very clear how little we have focused on Allison's inability to heal because of everything happens so much. Mm -hmm. Like everything just keeps piling on. And for her major uncertainty to be the fact that she has never actually processed the grief of losing Kate, which like was Kate crazy? Yes. But like, does that invalidate like the feelings that Allison once held for her? No. Um, is really fascinating to me. I also think it's interesting that Kate is the focus of that because in the past, her mom has shown up like the bus episode in the previous season when she's trying to thread the needle. Mm -hmm. Um, And her mom is the one that she's like envisioning unclear, like exactly what that is. So I think it's interesting that it's Kate more specifically because uh, yeah, we've, we've never heard her talk about, yeah. Kate beyond the first episode of season yeah. two. Well, I also wonder like if we're just making up shit that happens off camera or whatever, like she has her dad to sort of like talk about her mom with. Mm. I don't know how often they would be able to bring up Kate in that house. Probably not at all. Yeah. Not that she's over her mom dying. That's fucking tragic but no but it is different when like someone that you love who turned out to be just a completely different person and uh, yes her mom did try to kill scott but that's a revelation that comes way later and it's also like that was it's like not like her at that point like she was already in the sort of hunting game and like she had seen Gerard at that point already tried to kill Scott and her dad threatened Scott. Like he was a, a, a perceived threat to the family. So to speak at that point, Kate killed children. Yeah. And was just straight up evil. Um, but Allison really did care for and, and love her. So not even there's some like zombie Kate moments, which are truly terrifying. Yeah. Um, but there's also flashbacks to the first time we ever see Kate where they are so excited to see each other. That was important to try to, to, to remind you that Allison is not just haunted by Kate because she's evil, but because Allison loves something that had the capacity to be that evil. Yeah. Um, and that scene where she's sort of having this dream where she's hooking up with Isaac and then Kate shows up and she realizes that she stabbed him. Mm-hmm. is really interesting to me because it shows that Allison's biggest uncertainty is still like her capacity for good. I think she still is haunted by her time in like her sort of season two, like, uh, like radicalization, um, where she feels an immense amount of guilt about that. And that is something that she did a little bit deal with in season three, when they, she has a conversation with Isaac in the closet where she they, they kind of talk about her stabbing him. And mm-hmm. then for that to be the focus point of that nightmare for her is very interesting to me. I think she's really uneasy about whether or not she can proceed through life as a good person, which is a really, really interesting question for Teen Wolf to pose. Yeah. I mean, and especially because um, so much about 
so much of Teen Wolf is about like human nature and what someone's true nature is. And that's like why Scott is a true alpha. And we look at everybody in Allison's like immediate family. Um, Gerard, who's just the worst man alive. God, I hate it. <laughs> um, Kate and even her mother, like her dad is really the only person who has a stronger moral compass. I'm not going to say the strongest because he has made plenty of mistakes. Mm-hmm. And so to have that like constant reminder that that is where you come from to constantly be wondering if that is just genuinely your nature or even to look at Chris and say like, if that's the best I can be, is that good enough? Yeah. It's overwhelming. Yeah. I love Allison. I I was sitting here watching and I was like, Oh my God, we lose her in 12 episodes. I was like very saddened by that revelation. Yeah. Especially like in the grand scheme of the show, we don't actually get her for that long. Yeah. We get her for half. Which, um... And then kind of for a second in season five. Yeah. It kind of... Thinking about all of these hallucinations and the way that the season progresses, um, I know that we've defended the choice of the writers to kill her off. I Um, do think that it was Crystal Reed being like, I'm done, but... Yes. But I think it makes sense kind of in the way that, like, it makes sense for Iron Man to die at the end of Endgame, like, as a redemption arc. Like, it kind of makes sense at the end, like taking into consideration these hallucinations and these doubts she is having about herself. Like it makes sense. Yeah. That as a conclusion. Yeah. God, I can't believe, <laughs> can't believe I have to bring up stupid end game. Uh, um, but yeah, I, I just, I'm really, in, she is somebody who, and like her and Scott obviously sort of confront their uncertainties a lot sooner in the season, be, mostly uh, because they have to deal with what's happening to styles. Um, well, they also are like we see Scott in this episode being able to tamp that down, yeah, and gain yeah. control of himself. Well, then we should talk about Scott. Yeah, um, Scott, it's it's really interesting to me because like we see Allison flashing back to like season two trauma. What we're seeing from Scott is like a complete like reverting to his season one trouble of being unable to control his shift. Um. Which is so interesting to me coming off this huge like increase in power mm-hmm. where I almost feel like th- Scott's uncertainty is about whether or not he is able to control this amount of power he has, whether or not he is actually able to wield it. Um, yeah, because we, I mean, we know he becomes a true alpha and he uses it to his advantage to get rid of Jennifer, but um, there was always going to be a consequence to that. Yeah. And, and this is a natural pick up yeah and like we obviously see him uh like lose it in the classroom when styles is trying to calm him down and he keeps saying like you need to get out of here because i don't know what's going to happen which we have not seen in quite a while also and then he ends up piercing his hands which with is his so claws. good it's so good it's very christ-like yes as he like raises out his hands and they're pouring blood and that was such a good moment. Oh, Teen Wolf. <laughs> it's, I know why I stay. That's the problem. Um, is is so interesting to me that he is he is so terrified, not of being out of con, not necessarily of the the physical feeling of being out of control of like what that does to the people around him, and we see that like reflected again at the end of the episode when he's yelling at his dad and his 
mom is the one it's melissa to see the claws that are coming out and she holds his hands and she is the one to push him out of the room you know and it's really excellent that he has that moment where somebody is not afraid to touch him and maneuver him in that state and that is in part the reason why he is able to calm himself down yeah she's like be your own anchor but i'm like no your mom can be your anchor that's okay that's that's perfectly fine it's also very funny to like watch him being beckoned out of the room and then Raphael's just like looking around trying to figure out what the hell is going on like he's very concerned uh, very important because he needs to understand that that's not his kid like he was a sperm donor at this point <laughs> yeah not involved um yeah I think well also in the classroom like Styles doesn't leave he stays yeah um, to reiterate the consistency of that yeah. relationship. I'm also picturing like Isaac somewhere upstairs in the McCall house with like headphones in trying not to listen to that argument. It's like, it's like, I, don't my business. I don't need to know. Um, yeah, it's the hallucinations that Scott has of like the wolf shadow and the claw shadow. Oh, it's just so well done. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. And I think another, um, anxiety of his, um, is that he saw what becoming an alpha did to Derek. Derek yeah. turned into a terrible person. Yeah, Derek never actually... Derek was never actually a good person, but he just did... He did get worse. He, oh, he got, like, significantly worse. Uh. And I think Scott is worried about that. And also, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. They Because he's re- Spider-Man. Yeah, we know. <laughs> they just rewoke the Nematon. Um, you know, and he when they're like breaking into that guy's house and the dog shows up and he's just like, I don't know how to make the dog go away, which is like an alpha power or even just like a regular wolf power. He has, he has had dog communication before previous. Yeah. Yeah. So that doesn't really make any sense, but like his not being able to control it means that he can't help. Yeah. Which is the weird note. The (laughs) people who cast that dog did a good job. I don't know why that dog was so perfect to be that dog. He's just got a very good face. Yeah, he had a good face. I love a good dog. Oh my God, today (laughs) at the gym. (laughs) Today at the gym, I was just on the bike and a dog came in the room, like by itself. And I said, whoa, a dog. (laughs) And then its owner around the corner was like, yeah, are you okay? And I was like, I just did not expect to see like a lone golden retriever in the gym. When we got back, um, she was literally looking at me like I was crazy. And I was like, there's, there's, there's a, dog a dog in the gym. When we got back from like quarantining, I like had the um, front door of our apartment open. And one of the huskies from downstairs just like came into the apartment. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you gotta like, go. <laughs> love living in a dog friendly building. But I was like, um, what? it is not weird that I am in the gym. It is weird that your dog is in the gym. <laughs> Oh my god! So weird. Anyway, sorry. I just feel like I feel like we're not, we we we're we're not getting as personal on the podcast these days. So I wanted to share a story about my day <laughs> with you guys. Uh, and don't worry, the radiator's just turned on again. So oh wow, yeah, not yeah. not right now, but like in general. So oh, yeah, yeah, that'll yeah. become an, another regular fixture. New listeners are like, wait, what do you mean? Oh, get ready. The radiators. <laughs> you the sirens were loud. Um. Yeah, sorry, back to Scott. Um, He is, you know, this is, I think with him, like Isaac, like Kira, like Lydia is experiencing his uncertainty because there's a great sense of the unknown and newness to what he's going through, which is enough to give anybody pause. Um, And 
he ends up taking it in stride. Obviously, he is a good at being a true alpha mm-hmm. and is the one. He's the biggest, you know, Styles' biggest supporter throughout the season um, and is able to sort of control his own uncertainties in favor of helping Styles. Yeah, it's kind of his turn. Who we should now mm-hmm. talk about. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's just the it's. Styles is just the best. It's so good. And the, the cold open we mentioned at the beginning is so, so phenomenal that he's going through this like sort of like redirecting nightmare um, only to scream himself awake. And, and when Lyndon Ashby like runs in the room and is holding him, it's so good. It so sets the tone for the entire season and does it so well. Because throughout the entire season, Styles is questioning what is real, what's not real. And I think in that moment, like we as viewers are like, I don't trust anything. Those five minutes is some of the best horror the episode, the episode, the season sees. It is legitimately scary. Like in the part of the dream where he's in bed with Lydia, um, which is how you know it's a dream. You know it's a dream, which is <laughs> sad, unfortunately. Um, and he's like inching towards his bedroom door, which is like, slowly cracking open and it's just like agonizing and Lydia's pleading for him to step away from the door like chills I was yeah not frightened I had seen it I know what's gonna happen but like it's scary Uh or just even waking up in the locker Mm -hmm. oh it's like the sort of the way the light hits his face it's so good and then then these are like repeated things that we see throughout his nightmares even I mean like what's so great about Styles is uncertainty is that it is like literally reality warping like which Allison is experiencing too as is Scott but not to the degree where it's like you know how there's like a prank where somebody can go into your desk and go on your desk and move everything two inches to the left and it's like really uncanny because it's not it's how you left it but not please don't ever do that to me I would (laughs) never (laughs) I would not I don't know I'm not that I'm not that evil um but like, like sty- a lot of what Styles is going through is like life, on like in like very in an uncanny, like sort of queer way where it's like just tilted, and that is what's so so fucking terrifying about what Styles is going through is like, you, do you ever look at like a tweet and you're like, am I having a stroke? And you're like, no, it's in a different language. Oh, all the time. Yeah, like, but that's his entire <laughs> episode. Yeah. Um. And it's so interesting the different ways that they do it too, because like he can't read what's on the blackboard. He can't read his books in one of his dreams. Um, everybody's speaking to him in sign language. When he tries to open his locker, it's like these runic symbols instead of numbers. It's very clever. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it just adds like an extra amount of uncertainty and uncertainty and anxiety to Styles's uh, day <laughs> because he tells us, um, and I don't know what the science is behind this, but he tells us that in dreams you can't read. And I think this is true. Probably, but I would also never I think, think. I think I looked it up once. Also, the finger thing that he mentions later is true, that you have the wrong amount of fingers in dreams. Interesting. Um, I have never been like conscious enough to try that out but uh yeah and so the fact that he tells us that and then like in his waking moments which we know are waking moments he's still having trouble yeah 
So even when he has things that like are grounding him to reality and he knows that he's awake, there's still like this bit of uncertainty in his brain where he's like, what if I'm not? And that's part of what makes the cold open so effective is because he wakes up, goes to school with Scott. Oh, the fake out is wakes so up good. Again. Yeah. So good. Yeah. And I, I just think of, you know, it's really interesting that scene with the sign language is, is followed by him looking at Scott and being like, I just must've fallen asleep. And he really, and then Scott's like, you weren't asleep when we see his notebook is covered in the wake up him mm-hmm. writing, having written wake up. And he's conscious that whole time. And like, that is incredibly terrifying that it's not even just like he can't tell dream from reality, but he now can't tell reality from dream. Mm-hmm. Um, and Dylan O'Brien is just the teen wolf King. Like it is so important that he, that, he was sort of rewarded with this season because I don't know if anybody else could quite carry this plot line. I don't think so. Um, and it's, it's so, it's so scary to watch. And not only is Styles sort of experiencing, uh, uncertainty on the paranormal level, um, or the supernatural level, he is also now in a position where his life could be completely upended by Scott's dad. He's not, he's like in, in like a personal security, like life way. His, Life could be completely turned over because Scott's dad is trying to get the sheriff impeached, which I don't really know why that's the FBI's job and not like state government if he's a local sheriff. Mm Mm-hmm. Like a county sheriff. I have no idea. Um, Yeah, I actually wrote down in my notes like what what does the sheriff do if he's no longer the sheriff? Is he just a cop? What are his job (laughs) skills? I don't know. A cop, I guess. I guess. I have no idea. Um, I have no idea. And also like, I, okay. I really do feel like either the County government or the governor government, like the state government would have to push forward with an impeachment. Also. Yes. Um, but the, the claim, FBI, <laughs> Teen Wolf is so dumb. They're like, this is a job for the FBI. <laughs> I'm calling the FBI. <laughs> Is that a weed? Um, yeah. So anyway, um, I think it's very, (laughs) I think it's unreasonable. I think it's unreasonable that he's like, um, under inquiry for impeachment because crimes and particularly violent ones go unsolved all the time. Like most actually, like most violent crimes go unsolved. Yeah. So it seems strange. Um, and also the other, like, I feel like in that moment, um, it's really weird to have Beacon Hills have like outside consequences because it seems like a very contained community in the same way that like Sunnydale is in Buffy. Like no one comes into Sunnydale and is like, why are all these people disappearing? Why has Buffy's high school had 50 people die in like the last year? In that way, I actually do like that people are like, (laughs) that's a shitload of people to go missing in a small town. Um... But we're also led to believe that Beacon Hills is not actually that small. Like I have, I, I have no idea what size it's not like a major city. No, but I actually think that's part of where Teen Wolf kind of starts to unravel. Like when they go to Mexico, like when they move it outside of Beacon Hills. And I think the one time that that really works is when they go to that crazy town in season six. Mm hmm. But I oh, th- that was so good. It's so good. But I think when they kind of move outside the world of Beacon Hills, and that includes bringing Raphael in, I think that that just rings really false and It pops the weird. bubble. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, like, Styles is not only under, like, uh, like 
psychological pressure. He's under like the physical pressure of like, what happens if his dad loses his job? We know that they don't have a lot of money. Nope. There's the money problems are a big part of the next season. You know, his dad, we know has, um, not like addiction, but like has had, you know, substance problems. Mm hmm. What does that mean for him? What does that mean for how his life looks and what he does to take care of his dad? Because Styles is always trying to take care of his dad. And how could he possibly be able to do that when he is going fucking crazy? Yeah. It's so touching and heartbreaking and interesting. And again, the horror is so good. It only gets better, which is the crazy part. I know. <laughs> Actually, the horror gets worse after this season and then gets better oh, again in season six. No, I meant like as the this season, season progresses. progresses. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, and I, I, you know, I think that see, scene with Deaton is really important. few scenes with Deaton ever are, but whatever. And when he is like the sign language, but my brain's telling me a riddle when it's a door, not a door, when it's a jar... Um, funny that Scott is the one who solves that problem or it solves the riddle because Scott's a dummy as we know. Yeah. But that's one of those riddles that everybody knows. But, but then why does like styles not know it? Like it's, yeah. it no, serves to further illustrate yeah. what the issue is. Yeah. Um, but styles probably do, does know it when there's no, no get in his brain. And that's the whole thing about riddles. Yeah. Um, but like Deaton is like, you guys need to close the doors in your brain and Scott and Allison are able to do that because they're like extraordinary pressures aren't that of styles is like styles is facing something completely separate in his world that makes it so much harder for him to be able to shut out the bad. Yeah. And also Deaton is just as usual, maddeningly unhelpful. Yeah. How do you do that? Deaton? How do I go about doing that? Do you have a therapist you can recommend? Uh, yeah, he like makes his thesis statement and then does not prove it in any way. Ugh. 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 Frustrating. Um, we're kind of wrapping up. We're going to have so much more to say about mm-hmm. this. Uh, I'm so excited again for the season. I'm pumped. Stoked, even. Um, but yeah, do you want to tell us our pack stats? Do you want to do Q's nose first? Oh my god, yeah. Oopsie doodle. Cool. <laughs> I totally Oopsie forgot. Doodle. I have no questions. <laughs> Um, herb, herb, I don't know. I feel like I brought up all of my questions during this. Um, oh, there's just one moment where like Lydia walks up behind them and is like, you guys are all having hallucinations when she could not possibly have heard what Styles was saying. So suspend your disbelief, whatever, (laughs) whatever, (laughs) whatever. That's, that's the theme. Um, yeah, I don't think I have any questions. What are, what are your observations? I Well, I kind of already talked to mine, and that was about like the sort of Christ imagery of Scott piercing his hands mm-hmm. um, and talked about how much I hated Isaac's childhood in the freezer comment. Um, mm-hmm. I really liked that Lydia told Allison to try a different draw on her bowstring and then suggested like one specifically, like the Mongolian draw, because I was like, Lydia knows that Allison likes archery, and so she's done some research on it because they're friends, and that's really cute. It's so sweet. Uh, Nothing like when your friends are like, I will be lightly interested in your hyperfixation because I love you. Thank you. It's what I needed. Just the, that little bit of support. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved the moment when Styles comes in and he's like, uh, I usually sit here because the unassigned assigned seats are real. Uh, in high school and in college, 
I don't know forever. what I did to hurt this person, but once in college, somebody took my unassigned assigned seat and then passed the attendance sheet over me. <laughs> I had to go looking for it after class. And I was like, I never even talk in this class. It's a 50-person lecture, and I've never met you. What the hell? was like that time when we walked into the class we had together, and someone was sitting at our table, and we had to that sit at a weird. different table. Yeah, it was so weird. that was the worst day of that class. Um, hmm. We hmm. think about it often. <laughs> oh, comic books <laughs> class. Um, yeah, and my, my other uh, um, observation is that I just... I love the parallels that they draw between the parents and the kids because you can just so clearly see like how they grew up, how they were influenced. Mm -hmm. Um, the parents are such an important part of their lives. And like, um, the sheriff is like pulling out his new murder board. He's like making piles and he's just like, he's excited that he knows this new stuff, but he also feels like this insane burden of guilt Mm -hmm. that he wasn't able to burden of knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he feels like he has to go back through them. And styles is even like, why do you have to do that? And he's like, because if I can fix something. Yeah. It's also interesting for the characters who have two parents, we know which parent is like their parent. Yeah. Like Allison's dad is Allison's dad. And then like Kira is her father's daughter. Mm hmm. And, like, a little bit her mom, but, like, very much her dad. Same with Scott. But that's only because we've only ever seen Raphael now. now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, was that your last observation? I believe so. Cool. Oh, I, actually, oh. sorry, one more thing. No, I, you don't get to say it. <laughs> nope. <laughs> okay, fine. Well, was it good? <laughs> I was just going to say that I love the dynamic between Scott, Isaac, and Melissa, and it bums me out that we don't get to see more of it. Oh, True. Yeah. I think Melissa would have loved to have more kids if her husband hadn't been such a piece of shit. I think so, too. Yeah. And so Isaac is like, you know, the last chance. She's like, yes, another, finally. Another boy. He came to me fully cooked. I didn't even have to potty train him. This is great. (laughs) Amazing. Um, Okay. So now, pack stats. Pack stats. We have a lot of eyes because everybody was just kind of losing it. And Mm -hmm. um, at the end, we've got the coyote eyes, Malia. Coyote eyes. And at the end, we got the claws over claws. The, the hand drag over the claw marks. My favorite thing. Oh, Teen Wolf, you're so dumb. <laughs> um, so yeah, we had six eyes, three claws, three shir- three shirts, which is weird because I feel like the shirt count has not been that high since like season one. Um, Who? Oh, well, Derek and Peter are just shirtless. Less. They didn't take it off, but they are shirtless. Yeah. And then Isaac takes his shirt off in the dream. We didn't even talk about Derek and Peter. They're being tortured. Who cares? They were not a big part of this episode. We just know that they are being tortured. Who cares? Yeah. Um, and then there was the uh, coach is wearing a Nike shirt. Oh, cool. One ad. Yeah. But Nike is around all the time. Yeah. Like if, if, that's, if that's an ad, I'm a Nike ad. Um, and zero sirens because I talked about it and then they were like, haha, I'll show you. Yeah. No sirens. Um, do you have an alpha of the week? Um, yeah, my alpha of the week is Melissa. Yeah. She solves a problem. Mine's Lydia. Who also attempts to solve a problem. Yeah. They're trying really hard. They are. And a special shout out to Kira, just for... For being there. We're so excited. Yeah. I mean, like, nobody did anything particularly heroic in this episode. (laughs) So, like, we're, you know, picking up scraps, but that's okay. Um, I think that's what wraps it up, yeah? 
I think so. Okay, well, if you enjoyed this episode, uh, we hope that you guys leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher or whatever. You can follow us on Twitter at TeenWolf underscore ReWolf, which is also our Instagram handle. You can follow us on Tumblr. Um, if you didn't see it already, we did a Halloween bonus episode about Halloween Town. Yes. Um, our next Halloween bonus episode will be coming soon. It looks like Jennifer's body won the poll with some serious contention from Donnie Darko. Maybe we'll do a rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> we'll let you know we'll let you know that'll be announced soon um oh i don't have any do i have any house like housekeeping to do i don't think so i guess i don't all right well other than that i have been christian that has been julia and we hope you guys have a wolf of a week Uh,